Welcome to Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rabinowitz, an interior design trained lifestyle and wellness creator and mom to three girls. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. So stick around. It's wild and it's raw, just the way we like it. Who is Kate? I have been writing about design since 2008. I was a graphic designer out of school and blogging was really becoming a a big platform for people to express themselves. The big recession hit 2008 and I thought, you know, I don't have a safety net. So I put my hat in the ring, you know, with bloggers who were writing about design. And I guess fast forward to now, um, I I just never really stopped. Uh, Social media kind of came up around us and I really was drawn to visual sharing and storytelling in that way. And um, it's changed a lot over time, but you know, we we continue to to write and share um, my my life and just generally what I'm seeing other people run into in terms of just wanting to get the most out of their spaces and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, as a consumer of your content, so many wonderful things stand out to me from your particular brand of sharing about interior design. Number one, there's like this unpretentiousness that comes along with your content. You're clearly a lover of beautiful things, but you want them to be accessible to everybody. I think that that's something that's really missing in the industry where it's like, no, no, no. Before the term gatekeeping came around, it's like, no, you can have this too. And there's like a a really big playfulness. And for myself as a content creator, as well as an interior designer, what I like appreciate from your page is that there are so many very niche yet applicable pieces of content. You did that post about colorful trim. And I was like, how brilliant, because that's something that I kind of take for granted when I'm either designing a space or appreciating something that's beautiful. But I'm like, honestly, I could write essays on colorful trim. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it, I think part of, part of the reason why I like to focus on content like that is I am writing about design, but I'm not, you know, necessarily in, in the weeds with interior design projects as I'm writing about these things. And I think I always sort of have this point of view of how can I look at this incredible finished space and understand what's happening there. One, because I think it's beautiful and I'm interested in two, I'd like to be able to figure out how to bring a little bit of that into my own life. And so I think I always write from the standpoint of someone who is a consumer and I like to answer the questions or find the answers to the questions that I have myself. And I think that's been a good a, a good format for just really understanding where people are at. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the internet and how how much good design we get to consume. I think sometimes we take that for granted. When I was in design school, I was, you know, in the library checking out magazines and just consuming things, you know, physically. I'll date myself there, but now we see so much. And so I think the the average person who's working on their own home sees really good design and is trying to fill in the gap between you know, how they can make it work for their lives and and within a smaller budget. I think that speaks a lot to what I was saying about like the accessibility of your content while it's still being quite aspirational. I would say some of my like biggest design inspirations would be uh, Beata Humans, a huge um, inspiration. The, the ladies, the girls from Pearson Ward. I love like just the effortless quirk with the old world. I don't know, almost like discipline to a lot of their design. What are some 
design accounts or um, designers that inspire your work? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Matilda Go, I think I'm saying her last name right, has always been a huge influence of mine. I, I like to joke with my friends that I feel like I'm in the wrong country. Like I've been, I've been over in Europe and England when I was a kid and I feel always have felt more comfortable there. And so I think just in general, her design style and approach to, to just design is, is, is really inspiring to me. And then I also love Meta Coleman, who is, you know, yeah, she's just, she's incredible. Some of her work that she's done with Hannah Carpenter is someone that many people might follow. To me, I think what I admire so much about what she does is her work you don't feel like it has just sort of popped up and it's new it feels like it's been there for a while and that life has sort of been on and, and like sort of unfolding there there's so many layers to the design that you just sort of feel like it already has a history yeah. and i've just i think i've always just felt mo like really comfortable in spaces that feel like there's there's a human element to it there's sort of this humanity to it and i think both of those designers really in, in encapsulate that too while taking risks with color and you know they 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 do exciting things and i think i'm i'm always excited to see people push boundaries yeah yeah oh my gosh preach i think that also what you're hitting on is an important point and i i want to get into this a little bit later in the episode which is that like synthesis of today's perspective on traditional design and the apex of those two things is how to yeah. avoid traditional design from becoming stuffy yeah. and it, yeah. it's funny that you're saying that about what attracts you to certain designers because i had two goals when we were doing this house yeah well number one i'm always at like very influenced by the climate that i'm in i think as everybody yeah. is right so goal number one was i wanted it to feel i'm from toronto yeah. So like the personification of a hug yeah, where you're just kind of, you're wrapped in yeah. wherever, where you are, even if it's a very airy space. Mm -hmm. My second goal was that I really wanted it to feel like it grew out of the ground. And yeah. like, it was like, I'm like a discover you, you pulled away at the Ivy and like, what? How's yeah. Weird? yeah. And it's funny because the exterior looks exactly as you would expect from seeing the interior and it was oh, I love hearing that yeah it was I, I know by the way like when there's random acrylic railings put on yeah. at a Cape Cod yeah. design like my heart will bleed yeah so you you want that cohesion and it's funny because it's really hard to find the right architect who understood that what we were going for was a, a discovered little piece of our home but at the same time right. It, it, did, it shouldn't look ramshackle. It shouldn't look dated. There should be today's iteration and perspective. Yeah. So, like, I think that that's a really meaty topic that I, I constantly love figuring out the nuances of what that is. Yeah, you know, and I, I love how you just described your house because I would, if, if I was to describe it, I would use those, those words too. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think that's what, yes. Oh my gosh, when I saw you know multiple angles of your house and then like sawed it out and was like i have to see the rest of the space i mean i what i noticed the culmination of that feeling of a warm hug is just the amount like the amount of thought that goes into the materiality that was selected and the way that it's distributed felt so intentional and also so like honed in on specific moments and elements that when you pull back and look at the whole thing together, you really do feel this established, grounded entire experience, which is really, I think, the crux of traditional design. But then when you when you do put that modern lens on it and you are thinking, I think, about real life now and you are thinking about, okay, how could I 
no, nothing's new, right? So like even the most modern stuff, nothing's new. It's always an interpretation of something else. You know, when you when you zoom back out and look at sort of the, the whole approach of it, you you see the modernity in those choices. You know, I think that's where the really fun balance is with traditional design. I mean, I, I think it's so exciting to see it come to the foreground of so many people's sort of just awareness. They don't look at it as stuffy anymore. I think they look at it as, oh, wow, I want to feel that. Like I, I want to be there. I want to sit down. I want to, I want to feel like I'm in a place that is like a, a, a warm hug. And that, that is the benefit, I think, and the foundation of, of traditional design, you know, when, when you put humanity into it. And I think there's a lot of opportunity and excitement for people to put their, their stamp on it because they're reintroduced to this idea of traditional design without the pretense that you need to be formally hosting someone in a sitting room. Yeah. you know, or, 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 or using it in that way. I think people are really looking at it as like, oh, I'm going to work from home. Like maybe that's a really, maybe that's a really fun place to kind of get more traditional with the way I'm going to think about my office or, you know, maybe I want to use the basement as a place to sort of just let kids go crazy or let life go crazy and take, take a sliver of a space to have it feel like this is actually kind of always just sort of set where I can like walk in and maybe get away from the chaos of my daily life. I think some of those things are, are going to come to the forefront and hopefully kind of push traditional design in a way that that doesn't make it just for, you know, fancy homes that are, you know, million dollar plus and, and people who behave, sort of behave that way, you know. I have a couple of thoughts to what you said. It's funny because we didn't even put in a sitting room. Our entire like persona is casual and young and yeah. fun and regardless of age young, like just yeah. energetically. I think that one of the biggest elements that keeps traditional design reinterpreted for today's age is the color pairings. Yeah. And right. It's a lot of, I fully leaned into what I'm drawn to, which are a lot of like sleep kind of like I'm um, dusty, very yeah. muted. Yeah. And it's funny because when I would describe the design, whether it was to friends, always after chosen, because we don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. Oh but yeah. Yep. Always after you, you're, and you're fine with the decision too. Right? Hey guys, I'm just <laughs> keeping you abreast of what we've chosen, but right. I don't need opinions nope. because the orders have already gone in. Yeah, please don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, my family, my friends, they were worried and aghast when I explained to oh, them. Really? Oh my God, that there of is. Of course, going, I love that. Oh, there will be a glazed terracotta floor in cream, like um, buttercup yellow and burgundy. And oh, then. I love that pairing. That made me so happy when oh, I saw that. There was so much opposition. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you are, you're at the foundation of sort of like taking comp, like, you know, complementary colors, shifting them to the extremes. And so it's, it's more interesting than sort of that, you know, traditional black and white contrast you have, you know, and, 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 and I, that's what I love about looking closer at that space too. Is you're like, Oh wait, that is like a baby bear, like a baby, a barely baby blue. Right. right. Like, you know, you know, and it's like, that's, I think, that's I'd love to hear you, hear you talk more more about it because I think it's such like a master class and in, in, in the, the color combinations as well, where you just sort of look at, you know, the right tonality contrast, you know, you want to have that sort of happen. And then you start looking at how do you make kind of make those shifts oh, with, so I'd within love, color. I'd love to, I'd love, I'd love to talk about this. Honestly, yeah. talking about interior design, my heart starts like pounding <laughs> and I just feel like a little girl. <laughs> So yeah, so when I was describing it, I'm like, okay, so there's going to be 
like a clay colored wall running through the entire home and all the doors and trim are going to be uh, like a dusty blue but the inner trim of every single door will be trimmed in a navy uh, and then we're going to have what <laughs> white enamel knobs and then yeah. there's also going to be paneling throughout the entire house but then the the railing will be in a hunter green and everybody's like no 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 See, and, and i'm like and i'm like yes give me more <laughs> but what's funny is that really we're really only talking about like the, the word tonality yeah. is so key here because we're really only talking about one or two focal points right. allow me to like elaborate yes the color of the walls doors and trims are all in have the same tonal value so the eye is super relaxed looking yes. at it it almost feels like warm shades of white if you can mm -hmm. kind of imagine yep. yep and so really what you're you're noticing is almost more than the burgundy and the yellow you're noticing the cream coming out of the floor yeah. that's the bright almost focal point yeah. whereas the hunter green like railing feels like wood yeah so it's exactly like you're, you're getting like this this very soft bouquet so mm -hmm. if you're describing to somebody it's like everyone's like we don't believe your house is 37 colors i said relax because it really only feels like a soothing like yep. after book and yeah i i think i think i'd love to kind of turn the color conversation over to you and yeah. i first of all love to hear you describe what your personal style is yes yeah you know i i think this is something that i've struggled with for a long time because i don't know exactly if there's you know it's usually a combination of of of, of things. I think I am classic versus traditional where there's a foundation that is, you know, kind of a, a level of timelessness. And then there's a bit of just unexpected whimsy. And there's always something that's modern. There's always something that's like a little bit off, you know, and it comes through, I think, in a, in a punchiness that I think comes from being a graphic designer in my past, you know, really comfortable working with color palettes, really comfortable working with, you know, kind of like the layering of things, but there's always this, this tension and sort of play with negative and positive space and, and just where your eyes going to go first. And so I think I think about rooms and my style kind of evolves in that way where you have sort of the classic foundation. And then I'm like, how, how am I going to kind of like reinterpret this a little, little bit? And the other word I would describe is layered. You know, I, I like to say there's, you sort of start with those, you know, three base elements. And I just like to kind of keep layering on, whether it's within sort of a, a similar color palette or it's, you know, using a twist on complementary colors, which I often really love to do. I feel really comfortable working with complementary colors that have been, you know, kind of stretched debuted with. I like things to feel a bit like like there's a little bit of sort of visual play going on and i think that's that's where color kind of comes in for me and it wasn't until i sort of thought about it as a tool for creating maybe a, a feeling or a point of view within within each room that i realized that 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 was something about color that that excited me i think before i would think about it as you know kind of that i think like a lot of a lot of people who are designing for themselves who are not interior designers say you know I like this color. I won't get sick of it. Acceptable. Where I, I wish we were thinking more about like, what does this room need? How do I want to feel in here? And then start exploring colors and, and combinations that make you feel that way. Because I think, I think people know what they're feeling more than they know like what I like and what I don't like. And those conversations I think are 
they're very separate. And I, I think the one that we often tend to focus on doesn't really help us kind of achieve personal style or a personal home because we're not asking the question of what do I want to feel in here? How do I want to live? We're thinking of, you know, what do I like? And, you know, how, like, will this work? You know? Mm, yes. So much. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if you experience the same thing I do. And then I'm going to share a little anecdote that illustrates your very important point. But I wonder if you've experienced this where when I have friends who come over whose taste is a lot more either safe or transitional, when we first moved in, my friends would walk through and they were so surprised with how much they liked it. Yeah. And yeah, they kept saying, well, like, obviously I have a little bit of like a quirky sense of style. So they were like, we expected it to be like the gowns that you wear, which are very outlandish, but we hate, you know, <laughs> we're like, no, with love. Obviously. Yeah. Yes, I know. Those are those are close. Yeah, are no, friends, close no, friends. all yeah. only love. And yeah. so we're surprised that we like it. And I think I wasn't surprised that they like it because what I was trying to evoke was the feeling of come over anytime and I'll make you lunch. Right. Oh, and I love that. I'm curious if you have the same experience with your friends when they come to Yes, I do. I mean, I I have had, you know, I, I think I have learned that I listen to myself always. <laughs> It's like no offense to any of my friends, but I think, I think I've often, you know, in my, in my younger years would say, it would sort of like look for people that weren't online to kind of just, you know, bounce some ideas off of. And I, I realized that I, I knew, I think I could see things that, that my other friends, even who are in creative fields just really didn't. So I, I think I had to learn how to, with this house is the, probably the first house that I actually was like. I'm going to go for it and I'm not going to really care what anyone else thinks. I think before I thought a lot about, you know, sort of like, you know, like I, I would, I would end up pulling back to a safer place. Yeah. And so with this, this house, when my friends would come over, they would say, this is so you, but it's like the first time we've really seen you like expand into your, or into yourself. And that has been so freeing. And I think they also, it just feels so good to feel seen by your, your friends. I mean, we got this house to have people over in. And, and I mean, when you say, I want you to come over and like make lunch, I'm like, I, that's like, I want to make you lunch. That is my way of showing people that I love them too. I want them to sit down and feel like they can just be fully here and like have a great time. Mm. And I, you know, that's like a lot of the design decisions I make are about, you know, there, there's nothing that's like, you know, too precious. And I think the way I designed before kind of felt like it was, it was a little bit more for, for everyone else than it was for me you know? yeah that's such an amazing evolution it's funny because i relate in the sense that i was able to fully lean into my intuition and block out any public opinion like i said nothing was yeah. really discussed until i was able to like independently meditate on the vision confirm that yeah. it sign off on it and move on yeah. because i really didn't care if people didn't like it i really didn't oh, care i, I, I really so didn't much. care I think the reason that I was able to fully lean in, well, of course, like, you know, the more we make creative decisions that bring us joy, obviously, organically, the more we need approval less. Yeah. But in our first home, this was such an important exercise for me to look back on. So when we did the kitchen, you know, a lot of advice that you'll get when you do a kitchen is it's your biggest investment. So do yeah. something that's timeless, do something that yeah. has longevity, you're going to be living with it, you're not going to be redoing these cabinets, etc. And so I took that advice to heart and I created a very neutral, transitional, of the time, yeah. kitchen. 
And let me tell you something. Everybody who warned me that if I played it safe, I wouldn't get sick of it. From the week we moved in, oh. this is like mild exaggeration. I was yeah, like, no. And the reason I was sick of it was because it it represented 0% of my personal style, 0% yeah. of the feelings I wanted to evoke in the space. And I felt every time I walked into that kitchen, and by the way, like I'm obviously getting carried away. I still feel very privileged that I got to do it. Right. But when I walked in, I was like, this is a shadow of my capability. This is a shadow. And so when we did this house, I fully leaned in. I said, what it taught me was the only way you get sick of something is number one, if it doesn't Not feel yours. like you. And even when it does feel like you, you will still get sick of it. Eventually you get sick of everything. So yeah. just lean yeah. in and take the risk. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you make a, two really good points. One is the eventuality of things evolving and cycling out that is an eventuality and a reality of life in so many ways. And so it is a, it is a, a mere, it is sort of a reason to avoid making a decision. I think often when we worry too much about that, the other thing that I think is, is so amazing about what you said, and I was like, yes, yes, yes about is when you can make all of like the right design choices that fit a perfectly beautiful kitchen and if it's it's not your if it's not you know something that is like really where you feel that you're you're sort of expressed in or maybe you make that safer choice there's just i think something a little bit missing in that and i i think a lot of people can relate to feeling like okay i went with the safe dress like maybe i did, maybe i really wanted to go for it tonight you know i think like thinking about the smaller places where that's happening i think is a really good way of asking yourself if you're if you're playing small in some of the design choices, whether you're an interior designer or you're just sort of like wanting to be more expressive in your home, you know, sometimes looking at the way that you dress and and the sort of the choices that you make and how you like feel about that. And if you don't feel quite right, that's okay. That's kind of like an invitation to say, maybe let's try something new, you know? And I think sometimes you can get frustrated with that. You put so much effort and time and thought into making the right choice. And it's really disheartening when you feel like, oh, I kind of missed it. Or like, why don't I feel fulfilled or excited or happy about it? And that's, I think the point that you just made, there's like that, uh, that X factor of like, what brings you joy and what expresses you and kind of baking that in. For some people that might be a little bits of expression. And for other people like you and I, it might be bigger, bolder statements of who I am as a creative. And by the way, when people will ask me, how did you take the risk or how did you, come to that decision or were you not, I'm like, it didn't feel like a risk. Right. Like it doesn't feel like a risk. The checkerboard floor that everybody on my team was so against to me, that felt like classic Calicutta marble. Yep. That's, that was my neutral. So yep. you have to really think like almost like the somatic healing of it. How does your body feel? Uh, but I want to ask you a practical question. Yeah. You and I are obviously deep in the ether of design. So when we discuss designing for a space because you wanted to evoke a certain emotion, I want to dial that back for anybody who might be watching now or listening later. And they say, okay, guys, that's really beautiful advice, but what am I supposed to do with that? So right. I'm thinking of a friend doing a house now, and I know she wants her kitchen to be the hub of the home. Right. How does she practically explain that? What are some tips and tools you have to somebody who is feeling like they're in the wild west and wants to be able to express what they're looking for. 
Uh, and so you're saying like they 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 don't know the style of the kitchen that they're they're wanting and they're they're lost or is it? I'm sorry, I think I might have missed. The... No, no, no. Yes. So the the question comes to me as I as I oh, express sure. it. But yeah, what I'm trying to say is that it's such practical advice for me and you. You wanted oh, your home to feel like a personification of a hut. Of course, this was the fabric. To someone else, right. they're like, okay, babe, that's a metaphor. I don't really know what to do after this. Oh, what? Is... Yeah, yeah. Or how to give maybe give feedback too on it. You know, I think I think a good a good place to start with is to not is is to say, okay, if I'm if I'm unsure, am I unsure because I'm not I'm not maybe like having these expectations in my mind that 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 I haven't communicated? Like, am I have I have I have I communicated what I want or am I having a hard time kind of seeing it? And I, I think it's important when you're working with someone, you know, who is an interior designer or you've been working with yourself is I think, I think sometimes we, we want to feel completely certain about what's going to happen to the point that there is no risk at all. And like the, it was, we fully visualized it, you know, exactly what it is. And I think the reality is there is, you want to be able to get to a point where you are, you feel really good about the direction that you're going. There, there are aspects about it that you feel are sort of like exciting you. And then there, there's a little bit of, of trust that's involved. So I would try to see like where you're at. Is it, is it that I'm not understanding this in general? I can't envision it. Is it that we're off the wrong, we're not following the same brief. I need to explain more about what I want from that space, whether it's different metaphors or, you know, different examples or point swipe. You know, or is it that I'm just afraid to say, let's go and, and, and I, I get it and I trust. The other thing that I think is really helpful for people is that there rarely is like one perfect choice in, in all of this. There are a lot of really good choices. And when you get down to splitting hairs, you know, you might be in sort of design fatigue overwhelm. If you're looking at five different, you know, Swiss dot or stripe patterns, stand out do I want this to fall back is this a moment where I'm where I'm punching it up or is this something that I just really want to wear really well and so you start asking yourself sort of like practical practical but also design focused questions when you do get into I think to that design fatigue phase because at the end of the day I mean this is this is supposed to be fun and it can very quickly become a chore when you are feeling like lost at sea without sort of a <laughs> focus. An anchor. Yeah. I mean that I love your I love your points. And two points that I that I tell clients and friends, number one is very simple. When you look at all your inspiration photos, you need to be breaking down what it is you like in each of those photos yeah. and finding a commonality. Even if you start off and the list is 70 things that you feel like have no connection. Right. I guarantee your interior designer will be able to find a thread through them yep. and explain what it is in another photo that irks you. That's yep. just practical. Number two is, this is a mentality that I have when it comes to interior design selections and as well in job opportunities and in general, like my almost approach to manifestation, mm -hmm. which is there will be something else. And what yeah. I mean to say is I had envisioned our mantle. All of my ideas come to me in like the shower or in the areas between right wakefulness and sleeping it was so clear to me what it had to look like and we found it and it was seven or eight times what we wanted to spend on yeah. our home. and at first I was 
like really bummed because imagine you have this vision that cannot be recreated because it needs right. to be an antique and right. you find it and then it's okay so all of yeah. those things go on throughout every design process minute by minute i got over it so quickly because i knew there is a zero percent chance i'm not going to put in a mantle that i think is stunning yeah, there's that. a zero percent chance that another stunning mantle doesn't exist the amount of talent and artisans yeah. and antiques that exist around the world are not limited to this one mantle so move on and address your creativity to an area that can actually inject good energy and you'll find it and when you kind of like stay open and almost avoid perfectionism i'm actually really not a perfectionist like I unless love it's with me, I'm, like if if there's any orange peel out like done i'm a perfectionist when it comes to that yeah but oh my gosh just get over it you gotta move on and if yeah yeah what i love about that is such like a great mentality for life which is that you are not in this limited mindset really when it comes to things that are that are you know, like there is, is there is that one but that that just means that's not the the one that is going to kind of like work out and there's such i wish that i do this you know often i feel like heartbreak in life kind of like bring this out in people but when you think about it in terms of design and not wanting to make you know not having to redo things being patient with those types of manifestations and being sort of open to the fact that like this might not be working out right now but let's not push it and just do something that like like you said is sort of not the thing and I think I've done this before. I've sort of just settled and said, okay, I just want to kind of get it done. And it's like a little thing that festers. I always come back around to kind of fix it or kind of redo it. And it becomes more work in the end. And you kind of just end up kind of feeling like, you know, maybe I wish I would have waited. And I, I think we're not good at that, you know? And I, I just, I'm, I'm in, that's going to stay with me. That idea that you found the thing you manifested and we're like, I'm going to let it go. Yeah. I, I think it's, 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 it's really I mean, powerful. It's funny that you're saying that because right now my focus, my growth focus is on truly understanding manifestation beyond it being a buzzword, but really understanding like the yeah. impact of it. And yeah. so one thing that I was grappling with today that I was discussing with a friend was on the one hand, when it comes to like, are you good with woo woo stuff a little bit? Oh, I'm really good with woo woo. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. And, and also where my heart is at right now. Yeah. So I said, on the one hand, manifestation is visualizing your future self as if you've already achieved that thing yeah. and really embodying that and like really experiencing yourself as that person who's gotten there. But on the other hand, manifestation tells you to let go and just say, I'm going to put in the work anyway, or I'm going to keep going anyway. And if it comes, it comes, but I'm going on my merry way. I'm like, where is that sweet spot between letting go and pushing yourself enough that you visualize yeah. it? She had such a good answer. Her answer was, you have to get to the core of the desire. And like, let's use this like very like simple, unemotional concept of the mantle. Yeah. The core of my desire in that moment was that I want to create a beautiful home and find a beautiful mantle. Once I get to the core of that or find a mantle that makes me happy, yeah. it stops becoming about which mantle, the only mantle, the only result that will make me happy right. and kind of turns into, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to continue looking. I can visualize myself with a beautiful mantle and it'll come to me when it's the right time. And it did. Yeah. Yeah. And there's values too, based in there too. You were like, you know, it didn't hit all the criteria. So I'm just, I'm not going to push it in these other ways, you know, and, and 
and and also I think there's such like self confidence and that that builds resilience and sort of belief in yourself when you when you make decisions that are aligned with your values, which I you know know is such a big part of of manifestation. And it's been a huge part of my. I mean, I've gone through sort of like you know lots of different sort of iterations of therapy and 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 work, and I'm always working on my mental health, and I've I've become really a big believer in like neuroplasticity. And I think, I think a lot of like the, the mindset shifts that are made with sort of trusting that what is out there is there for you does help kind of rewire the circuitry that, that has, you know, been embedded in there for a while where you sort of look at the world and say, you know, there isn't enough. It's not like, I won't be able to ever find this to, you know, generally I trust myself to navigate this and, you know, the, the universe is, is inherently, you know, kind as well, you know, and yeah. we'll be able to, yeah. Anyway. I, I, yeah. Woo -woo. I mean, I love this. I believe the belief that I believe in myself that I will get there, even if it comes in a way that I didn't already predict or expect, yeah. because what I desire desires me too. like that beautiful home, that mantle, it wants to be found, but it was waiting there for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I can, I can tell you this. I mean, I, I did not set out to, to start Wit and Delight and for this to be my thing. And in a lot of ways I've had to trust that this is part of kind of taking these steps sort of when I was sort of walking around, not knowing what I was doing, you know, I was in a, you know, dark place after college, just trying to figure out how to get my footing. And sometimes I'm, I look around and I'm like, you know, you didn't necessarily choose this, but so many of the decisions that I've made has sort of shown me things that have been really hard and coming, coming to, to realize after doing this for so long, that connection is such an important value for me. And that is like why I continue to show up every day online when I, you know, it was never really the point or never the thing that I ever really wanted to do. So it's like decades later, I'm like, yeah, you were, it's not at all what I envisioned for my life, but you're here. And there's a lot of this that is showing you who you really are and, and, and what matters to you. And it's been, it's been kind of a, kind of a, a weird way at looking at, you know, how you end up places when you kind of sort of let go a little bit and also kind of coming to terms with that too. I mean, I, I'm not complaining in any way. I think it's just really interesting how, how life sometimes has different, a different idea of, of where you end up and where you're be, where you end, you know, where you'll be. You know, one thing that I'm constantly asking myself with, I've been doing these interviews once a week for four years and such incredible, successful, diverse group of women have come on. And one thing I always ask myself either throughout each episode or at the end of every episode is what is the commonality between all of these women that I respect? Like, what is the commonality between even just at a base level entrepreneurship? And what I notice, what I'm seeing is, is that ability to grow and adapt and to let go. And it's yeah. funny because you think that reaching this objective perspective of success, right. obviously we don't really know what's going on and everyone yep. has a different definition of success. You think that it requires almost like a rigidity and a discipline and it does mm -hmm. it does require discipline but it requires a softness and an ability to yeah. constantly like redefine and reignite that passion especially in the social media space yeah. which is such a draining space yeah yeah i mean i i think I, I i look at it as sort of this you can't you 
I, I try to look at it just sort of like as a thing, you know, that is like, it is literally a vehicle that will like always be shifting and changing. And it represents a lot more than, you know, an algorithm or, you know, or, or what, what is real to me on here. And it, it really does sort of like the reality of, of almost any business is that nothing is finite, nothing is forever, things change, they constantly shift, and it matters sort of how you, how you navigate that. And sometimes it's, it's just, it's, I think, very comforting to people to think that you arrive someplace and like everything's better, or you, you, kind of, you, you sort of are like, you reach that goal. And the reality that I found is that you reach it, and then there's like another higher mountain that you end up having to face. And, and so the work and the success isn't enough. Like the purpose has to be there in order to kind of have the energy to even sort of say, do I want to, do I want to do the next thing? Or, you know, do I want to get off here? And it takes, it, it, it certainly takes sort of like a, a, a strong internal life and internal kind of, I think, self to, to get yourself through that, especially when you're doing it alone, you know? Yeah. It's, pretty crazy. I um I couldn't agree more about the goals constantly climbing on each other and I'll add one more point and then we'll get back to what everybody assumes we would have spent the hour talking about <laughs> into your design. One thing that I'm a big believer in and I remind it myself of this every time I feel like burnout approaching which is burnout happens when you are misaligned with your why. Yeah. And so, you know, if you can get back to your why, sometimes you'll do like a little check and you'll say like well I'm creating all this content and it's burning me out but it's actually not lining up with my why and my why will always come back to feeling creative so it's yeah. like okay permission to uh, file yeah. it back Moving yeah no on. I need to hear that though I mean and I think I, I, I will say one last yeah. thing I mean I I I was burnt out for a good five years and it was when we were doing I had wit, wit and delight looked very different there was like a uh a studio that you could rent. I had, I had an online shop. We were doing all this stuff. And I was just like, I have nothing left to, and, and like, and I, I fell out of love with it. And it wasn't until we went back to interiors and creativity, which I was really like, what are the things that I like, why did I start this in the first place? And suddenly you're lighter. I'm like, people would say like, you seem happier. I'm like, I, cause I am <laughs> much happier to be here. Exactly. No, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I love your page so much. So let's talk about interior design for a second. So, yes. you know, I used to have using the word rigidity, a lot more of a rigid perspective when it came to trends, mm. but I think a lot of that was ego-based in the sense that I was like anti-trend and almost mm -hmm. it was my ego being like, every idea I have is new. And when I almost softened and I was like, okay, babe, like, you yeah. know, through osmosis, whether we like it or not, we're influenced by trends and we don't need to necessarily be so trend adverse yeah. we can also utilize some of the trends for example there are some elements in my home where i specifically wanted to add a trendy element to brighten up a lot of the heavy traditional yeah. my powder room really dark traditional yeah. wallpaper an antique desk used as a vanity so we added in a very playful scalloped backsplash yep. to keep it of the yep. era so yep. I'm curious to know your Love opinion that. on trends and how you utilize or don't utilize them throughout your yeah. yeah, you know, I have a similar push-pull internal struggle with it. I was working on finishing up a design in our basement and was on Pinterest and I was like, it's everywhere. It just, I think you want to sort of think feel, things to feel special because we think so much about making each of these decisions as something that is special and 
just the sheer volume at which we consume content and see things. I think there's a little bit of stuff that I'm sort of like, that's just what your algorithm looks like. That's not the world. So I try to remember that one. And then I also think about too, especially being someone who writes about design, I often find myself kind of knowing where the pulse is a little bit sooner, like just like a little bit sooner, um, just because of how much content has been out there. And so, you know, I think like back in 2020, you know, before scallops exploded, it was like, oh yeah, that, that, that'll be it. You know, and in 2019, it was like checkerboards are going to be ev everywhere. And the idea that none of these things, these things become trend when they think they trendy in the bad way, when they become oversaturated. And so I think looking at these things is every one of these things is a tool to dial up or dial down what you want to have happen. And joy is one of those things, you know, and, and that should be wrapped in. And with my consulting clients, most of them have said, I don't want this to look like it is 2023, like exploded in here, you know, and, and I often say, okay, let's, let's go back to the fact that everything will be a reflection of an error. We can't really, you know, avoid that, but let's talk about like, what about these things? What, what about this room? Do you, do you want to have, have, ha have happened in here? And then what about these trends? Which one of those sort of like drive that home? And, and I think that that's, that's a really effective way to get to the heart and the core of what you want the space to do and ask yourself, like, what about these things do I love that also provide that function? And I think it's a safe place, kind of a safe construct to work in. I, oh my gosh, I love, I couldn't have said it better myself. Again, like I said, we needed to add a playful feminine mm -hmm. element to mm -hmm. all the chocolate brown yep. and mahogany. Yep. So even if scallops become abhorrent in 18 months from now, mission was accomplished. Exactly. The, you know what I mean? To the point of like in the servery where we added like yep. painted blue cane. Yeah. So of course, even at the time, this was done in 2020, like the design was created in 2020. I knew, I knew yep. cane was way too heavy and very trendy. Having said that, two points were more prevalent than avoiding the trend. Number exactly. one, cane has been around for decades. So it's yep. had a resurgence, but just like it'll go back, it'll also come yep. back. It's not a new yep. creative. Yep. Number two, what I needed here was an element that added texture, but didn't confuse the yep. eye. I didn't want a different color, and I didn't want something that distracted from all the arches that were going on on top. Oh, yep. perfect. Yep. So like, yep. do you know what I mean? So, so I think that totally. too, like, what do you want to accomplish? Don't worry so much. Yeah. And, and both of those applications, you are seeing a fully formed space, not that one mm -hmm. element, you know, and you're not focusing on that. And that's, that's the other thing too, when you're looking at using one trend too much or, or sort of becoming oversaturated with that, you're like, wow, there are a lot of ruffles in here. Are there a lot of like, you know, I think that it can very quickly, especially if, as you are sort of excited about something. It's like, you know, when you look in your closet and you're like, I have way too many of that thing. Like, I think that that sometimes that can happen within spaces when we're sort of spinning our wheels with how to how to get something that we love as we go too deep into something that's like, oh, I love I love wooden bowls. And so I have them everywhere. Whereas like that's an earthy element to help sort of like break up the countertop, you know, where you're kind of using it as a styling thing. And I I think those two examples that you used in your home are so perfect for how you any one of those elements could become trendy at any point, but you use them you know, you use them to create the right scheme. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you. 
I would love to hear some of your points on pattern mixing. I mean, just in yeah. this tiny little square, there are a lot of layers and patterns oh, going yeah. on here and so beautifully yeah. done. So I'd love to hear some of your go-to tips. Yeah, you know, pattern, I'm so comfortable with pattern. I think because of my training in graphic design, you're kind of thinking about, about pattern mixing as sort of like a, a sort of as you would layer sort of beginning, middle and end, sort of like a, a bold print with a supporting print and then something that really is just texture. And so I like to sort of think about, uh, think about these things in, again in threes where you have a moment where something is going to be either adding a bit of sort of a punch or a statement. In this case, you know, you've got like a bold stripe behind there that can be done with, you know, a, a oversized graphic print. It could be done with something that is an incredibly special tapestry. And, and those are the things that sort of sit at the front of your eye. And then in the midground, you have sort of a, a semi-dense or sort of like really in size and scale, sort of a, a, a half to third size of that type of print. And it's usually in a contrasting kind of like pattern where if it stripes here, you're gonna go with maybe sort of a floral print or something that feels a little bit more feminine and delicate. Whereas, you know, if I did sort of like a, a William Morris print, you know, over here, I would go with a ticking stripe to kind of counterbalance that. So you're really, you're really looking at kind of creating like a plate or a buffet of things that support one another. The flavors really support one another through the size and scale. And I, you know, I think that that's like the, and, and the amounts that then get up, get applied is, is obviously another thing too, but you know, natural material is pattern, you know, corduroy is pattern. Like, you know, anything that creates repetition is pattern. And so the world of pattern, it isn't so much about sort of like jumping into a Luke Edward Hall, you know, house, you know, and sort of like seeing the maximalist expression of that. You're seeing pattern mixing everywhere in the most serene spaces because without it, things feel very flat and, and sort of stale. So I like to think of patterning in, in that way of like, you know, creating depth, middle, foreground, you know, background. Of all, all of the interior design, either interviews or articles, I've either read or written or school, I've never heard this expressed so like so <laughs> Understandably and applicably. So, like, thank you for that. Yeah. It's funny because I have two, uh, a question and a like a, a a thought. It's funny that you use food as the example because one of like the the concepts that I'm so big on is when you lean into creativity, there is no limit to the iteration. I.e., whether it's fashion, interior design, food, conversation, like there are so many creative ways to express yourself. So, my question to you is. I mean, anybody who sees my home is not surprised because I dress exactly like my home looks. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's no surprises there. Is your sartorial style similar to your interior design style? Yeah, I think that they they relate to another to one another quite a bit. I would say that I am, you know, I my style really hasn't changed at all over time. There's sort of like the a classicness of it. If you look at stuff I pinned on, on you know, in 2012, the iteration of of that right now is like, it's, it's just sort of always sort of been there. And so I, I like to sort of dial things up and down with accessories. And I think I, you know, my, my home is sort of designed like that too. So I, I go big on coats. I go big on like sunglasses and hats and like layer, you know, and layering when, when the base really is sort of quality grounding staples. And yeah. And I think, I think that that, that to me is sort of like how the world makes sense 
And I also think it really helps. I'm, I'm, I'm an off the cuff kind of person. There's a casualness too in the way that I like to move through the world. And um, I think that's expressed in my clothes and, and as well as our home, you know, there's, there isn't anything that's too precious. What, what is your zodiac sign? I am a Scorpio, Scorpio sun. And then I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius rising. Did I say that right? And then a Virgo moon. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so, yeah. oh my gosh. Okay. Cause I'm a Scorpio too. I love it. And I, I, um, I had on last week, Dr. Jennifer Freed. I found her on the Goop podcast and I was listening to this episode and I was just so blown away. She is a psychologist and an astrologer. And so obviously she starts off and she as asking me my sign. So I said, Oh, like I'm a, you know, I start telling her, she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, yeah, you're a Scorpio. Yeah. None of those others make sense. You've gotten something wrong here. You And I was like, oh, what? I know. I know. It's like that. so cool to be able to understand people in that way. Back to interior design. I want to talk a little bit about designing within a budget when you are not attracted to budget friendly items. Me. <laughs> <laughs> like I will somehow, I will find I will be like, oh, that, that table is great. And it's Mm $12,000 and it's simple. You know, I I think I, I I feel for all of that. I think your, your advice on letting go a bit is really important. I also think that you can take your great taste and turn it into like being the best treasure hunter that you out there. So the more good design you're looking at, the sharper your eye will be at an antique store, at a, you know, on on Etsy, at a garage sale, you know, and and really doing the hunt. And, you know, I think sometimes we we don't have the budget. We often look like, we often can find in time. And obviously time is like a precious resource, but I've tried to turn doing the treasure hunt type thing as to, as in something that that is exciting and fun. And I, so I don't have in my mind, like, I have to exactly do this thing. I have in my mind, like, generally, let's, back to that flexibility, let's find things that really speak to me and kind of play around with the way that this stuff is kind of moving throughout the house. The other thing, on the other hand, that that flexibility of sort of like looking at a lot of stuff, taking your honed eye into places where other people might not be seeing what you're seeing, sees that opportunity. The other thing is to... Be really intentional with your floor planning. Be really intentional with what it is you are looking for because you, you often will miss things if you're just sort of looking for what you love. But if you know that you need a credenza that is 79 inches to 80 inches wide, you can go through more antique stores and more estate sales more quickly because you know exactly what you are looking for and you can be patient and you can you know peruse Facebook Marketplace because you're very specific on the general idea of what you need to find. Um, And I think that's where a lot of people who are working on a budget sometimes forget that that can, that can turn something that one or two pieces with big box items that, that are, that are spectacular can turn something from target into something that feels like it's supposed to be there. So there's, there's, there's kind of like this idea that you are open, but you're also like very locked in on what you're looking for. So when you do find something really unique, it fits in with some of the stuff that's already there and it kind of brings everything up um, a little bit. So time and patience and planning mm-hmm. when you're on a budget. Yeah. And then the other thing too, you know, is just to make sure you know what matters to you. Not everything can be, you know, like make room for things that want to put the money down for in our case it was our countertops in our kitchen you know I ended up 
designing around that. And there are a bunch of different ways that you can kind of make that work. But for us, it was like, I need one element, you know, our budget was not big that I needed it to deliver a wow factor. And so you can also do that way and say, one thing I'm going to spend my money on, is going to be this. And then <laughs> other things can kind of fall into place. I mean, your countertops are gorgeous. I have <laughs> the same marble in our master bath and in the master, like, sitting area coffee table. And I love it so much every yeah. day. So we're nearing the end. I only have a couple more questions. Yeah. What is up and coming in the design world as somebody, as you said, who is seeing so much interior design, you're always on the cusp of it? Yeah. You know, I feel like we just saw a really huge shift with people kind of rediscovering traditional design. So I, I think that that's going to be around for a while. I think there's also this huge shift in tonality that we we don't see all that often, where we've gone from cool colors to full-on warm everything. So like taupe is going to be the new gray. And I, I, I love taupe. I mean, you talk about doing chalk, you know, in there and like in these buttery, buttery colors. I mean, I, I really do think that these warm combinations of colors and these warm these warm feeling spaces are going to be around for a really long time and you know i hope that things kind of stop moving as quick as they are i mean i, I feel like the postmodern thing is are starting to feel I, I want people to kind of just keep like keep making it their own keep like you know i think what i would love to see and i think people are craving it which is probably how it will it will express itself how it will is i think personal space and the personal expression of the space is going to trump most of the other sort of trend forward thinking. I, I think I people would, are. I would love if that happened to yeah. your point yeah. of asking yourself, what feelings do I want to be evoked in this space? I think a lot of that is connected to, to what you said, because when people see traditional design, whether it's my home or a classic quirky design yep. like your home, they say, hey, I kind of like this. And I didn't expect to like it. What I'm getting yeah. my takeaway is going to be, maybe I don't have to be, you know, doing what my neighbor did. And maybe I do want to, you know, prioritize joy or prioritize color right. or something like that. I mean, I would love nothing more. And it's funny because when grays were happening, it was oppositional to, I'm so happy that we're going in the warm tones because those are my colors. Yeah. And my hope for design is like you said, aside from the trends and aside from what everybody's doing to really lean into intuition, yeah. confidence, um, flexibility, yeah. and um, emotion. Yeah. I you, I could not have said it better. And and those questions that you're you're posing and the things that we've talked about, these are all reasons why we love being in interiors that are considered they they make you feel something that you're not connecting to the design decisions. And I think people are starting to realize, you know, I've got my, you know, checked my boxes with all of the things that make my kitchen like, you know, Pinterest worthy, what's missing, you know, and it, and it is that sort of consideration of joy and, you know, and, and personal style. And I hope I, 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 I certainly know that one of my main drivers for everything that I put out in the world is that other people can feel the joy of following their, you know, their personal style and intuition in their spaces. There's nothing better than and feeling like you've created something that expresses you and then you can live in it. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Oh my gosh. Well said. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's funny because 
I'm sure in a certain regard, it even surprised you as it surprised me how well received your home was because you weren't really yeah. doing it for people to fall in love with it. Yeah. You were really just doing it to create some kind of creative expression. Absolutely. And so it's really fun when people could see that thread throughout personality and interior design yeah. and, and relationships. Yeah, and, and evolving too to say, you know, this is who I am and this is this is what, you know, what excites me right now and then you know putting it out there I think I think whether or not people would would make the choices that they do in their own home is kind of besides the point I hope we've evolved past that it really is more about you know sort of that I want what she's having which is really sort of like the freedom and courage to be themselves you know so well said I get dms all the time of people showing me their mood boards which is exactly my exactly down to they've studied yep. the paint colors they are integrating it for the exact copy paste yep. and to that i say if it makes you as happy as it makes me that's amazing but there's no chance that you and i are carbon copy personality yeah. needs interest yeah. um and friends so figure yeah. out a way to make it your own because i promise you will love it that much more yeah yeah it's a worthy a worthy um investment yeah. and, and exactly. way to spend your time i well, I have so many interior design questions, but I think we have covered all of the bases from tips, tricks, to the emotional connection between ourselves and the things we design. So thank you so much for being on. It has been an honor. Oh, it's been so much fun. I feel like we could we could just vibe all, oh, honey. <laughs> all night. We definitely need a glass of wine or a chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Have a good one. Thanks all right. again. Bye. Thanks Bye. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you really enjoyed this episode and feel like it brought you value, I would love if you could rate and review Kale in My Teeth. It takes three seconds and lets me know the kind of episodes you like and want to see more of. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And of course, you can find the guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on Instagram and TikTok at Rifki Rabinowitz and my website, RifkiRabinowitz.com. Chat soon.